2: This episode of the Warriors Huddle is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, the Athletic Club Oakland, a local sports bar I fucking love. Look, all of our social lives took a nasty hit during the pandemic, and one of the awesome things COVID stole was the ability to watch sports with friends. It's something I've loved my whole life. And good news, the Athletic Club has our backs and has given that right to us. The ACO has shut down their entire side street, not some parklets. I'm talking about the entire side street, created an enormous outdoor space, called that space the town gardens and filled it with tables and huge TVs and their full complement of great food. It's big, it's comfortable, but maybe most important, it's a great spot to watch any and every sport with anyone and everyone you want to the athletic club is now our go-to spot to watch all sports and with the nfl right up on the horizon we hope you're gonna join us there in fact if i see you at the aco and you're in any type of huddle gear beer in fact maybe beers on me the athletic club oakland where sports fans can be sports fans again We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You are in Where's Huddle with me, Bram. With me, per usual, my boy producer Marcus.
3: What's up, Dub Nation?
2: And our master of all things sound, Maxine. How's it going? MT, we haven't had you for a while. Big man, welcome back.
3: Thank you. I'm excited to be back. What's up, everybody? What's up, Dub Nation?
2: Give us a sense of your personality. So, this last one, we missed you, man. Um, and it was a very fun episode. And, like I said, your absence was absolutely noted. And if that was me, right, if I miss a show and then you guys come out with a podcast, I wouldn't want to tell this to anybody. But secretly, when I listen to that pod that I wasn't a part of, I'd want it to be shitty. I'd like I absolutely want there to be like weirdo pauses, and like no chemistry at all. And then afterwards, we would never say it, but I'd want you guys to be like, "Ah, oh, I miss you, but never actually put it out there. For you, MT. This goes down, right? We didn't have you last week. You had to miss one. What's your personality type? Were you rooting for us the entire time? Or were you kind of hoping there'd be, you know, some stumbles along the way? Uh,
3: I think it's a push. So I'm definitely still rooting for you. I'm part of the team. I wear the same jersey, huddle huddle jersey, but... Um, I was definitely rooting for a moment where you were like, damn, I wish MT was here because he would have the amazing answer to this.
2: <laughs> where we actually said that or there was just some pause and everybody realized like, oh, there's the MT spot, but it's currently empty. Like we yeah, threw in the want corner it. for a wide open three and it just goes into the stands.
3: Exactly. No, I want it verbalized <laughs> explicitly.
2: Well, uh, Maxine, did you notice that we didn't miss MT at all last week? <laughs> our, ah, jokes, dude, jokes. <laughs> Boys. We have Kristen Peak joining us today to talk all about Jonathan Kaminga, all about Moses Moody, and I can't wait because I am crazy fired up about those two dudes, and we got to hear all her observations. She's been in Vegas. She grew up basically with those guys, or she was around them as they grew up, so her takes are going to be dynamite, but we would be crazy if we didn't at least talk about, touch on the podcast that was released today featuring Draymond and KD. So let's jump into that, if not for a long time, at least quickly here, and let's set it up. Um, Draymond's got a brand new podcast. It's called Chips and it's named after the chip on the shoulders of the greatest players out there. And I don't know if this was his first guest. I think it was. He had KD on it. They have very clearly developed a relationship in the past. And I'm sure that relationship got a lot stronger while they are in Tokyo. And there is a few quotes that came out that have caught a lot of people's attention. Um, here is one of, them. Maxine. can you place that first take?
4: From my own personal, um Sanity, because I've been getting my ass kicked ever since you left. So just for my own personal sanity, how much did our argument against the Clippers drive you to ultimately lead the Warriors?
5: It wasn't the argument. It was the the way that everybody, Steve Kerr, act like it didn't happen, Bob Myers, and tried to just discipline you and think that that would put the mask over everything i really felt like that was such a big situation for us as a group the first time we went through something like that we had to get that shit all out i remember watching the last dance and when scotty didn't go into the game the whole team in the locker room said scotty that was fucked up that you did that we needed that we just needed to throw all of that shit out on the table and say yo jay okay like that was fucked up that we even had to go through that let's just Wipe our hands with that and go f- go finish the task. I don't think we did that and we tried to dance around it. I just didn't like how all of that, just the vibe between all of that, it just made shit weird to me. And I'd rather us be who we say we are family first, communication is key. Like I, we didn't show that. And I've, that's what rubbed me the wrong way more than anything.
2: Okay, boys, common perception. And this has been true for like a year and a half. And we've had a lot of people on this show tell us this beat writers, a lot of people who are close to the situation. Was that KD was already gone before the altercation with Draymond happened? That he seemed disinterested, that he had one foot out the door, that it was kind of a foregone conclusion that his time in Golden State had already ended. But this kind of cuts against that. You know, what he's saying here, at least the way I'm reading it, is no, nah, the main reason was not necessarily the fight, but the way the franchise handled the fight afterwards. MT, first question. You think that's true? was it? it, Do you think what we've heard in the past that Katie was already out is accurate or does this new version really what happened?
6: Attention listeners across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Houston. Do we have a pube problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new lawnmower 4.0. Kick your pubes to the next planet with the performance package 4.0. The orbit in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming. Inside this package, you'll find our Lawnmower 4.0 Trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a Travel Bag to hold all your whole solar system. Join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. For a clean trinity and beyond, your Spaceballs will thank you.
3: That's tough. I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. I mean, first off, it's an amazing interview and shout out to Draymond. Munn. Um, you know, like he's all. Always been getting good accolades for his work in TNT and as an analyst. Um, but I thought he asked the questions that we all wanted him to ask and did a good job of just getting K D to um answer them and be, you know, like honest about it. So um I thought that was cool. But I think there's a little bit of revisionist history going on there. Um it, I, KD's been all over the map with this was the reason it had nothing to do with it. It had everything to do with it. It was partially for the reason, you know, so who knows? But if you're just taking what they're saying as truth, looking back now, and they're saying this is what went down and how it felt when it went in the moment, then, you know, like I I walked away from listening and watching that interview feeling disappointed and shocked by how Myers and Kerr handled that because I'd always had this perception in my head that they were the players, GM and coach respectively, that what they brought to the table, especially from Kerr was not, you know, the best X's and O's coach, but he was really a player's coach and he knew how to relate and and talk to teams. And he brought in all these great ways, these Zen ways from Phil Jackson and, you know, this discipline and structure from pop. So to hear them say that, to basically say, like, they both took the wrong approach to making that critical moment in our team history, in this franchise, Um, they took it the wrong direction is just was a little disappointing because I expected more and I thought that they would be able to handle it better. We're going to play um, that. We're going to play
2: that quote. um, And we're going to, I'm going to dig into exactly what you were saying. And you already fucked up my outline again, MT. Good to have you back, buddy. (laughs) You know, way to go. God damn it. This is the, one of those scenarios where I was not ready to push forward, but that's fine. (laughs) Um, Let me follow your lead before we play that quote first. Yeah. Draymond did a great job. And it's not just that he recognized the issues and it's not just that he was able to tackle those issues in a competent fashion. Draymond was able to weaponize not only his personality, he was able to weaponize his relationship with KD in a very high profile interview. That's not some easy shit to do. Um, One of the things I try to do on this show is start personal and then ask somebody else for something personal because it's way easier if you've already shared something for the guest to share something. The way that Draymond phrased that to start it off with, look, dude, I've been getting my ass kicked since this happened. So I have to ask you immediately, I would think makes Katie feel more relaxed. It takes away some of the nastiness of the interview. It was just, it was a, a phenomenal approach and he does, he has nothing but a bright future in, uh, in sports media. As far as do I think they're telling the truth, the truth lays somewhere in between the way it always does. Right. We have heard from too many people whose opinions I trust and who have an ability to read personalities and just perception that KD was kind of gone, that he didn't necessarily have an interest. In fact, Draymond even says it during this. But I also think that this had some kind of an impact. And the way that Dr- that KD uses the phrase family, that we weren't who you guys said we should have been, I think what this could have been is a chance to save KD. If he already had his foot out the door, this goes down, And then Golden State handles it the way that both players apparently wanted them to. I think that had a chance of sucking him back in. So I don't think that this kicked him out, but I think it was a missed opportunity to make sure that he was really happy here. Maxime, finish this out. What do you think, man? Was this the straw that broke the camel's back? The
7: straw that broke the camel's back in what context? Is this why he left? If if this oh, had not happened, nah, if no
2: man. altercation happens, would he still be in Golden State?
7: No, no, of course not. Like, he had already moved his media empire to New York months prior. Um, this was not the first argument that they'd had. I think the writing was on the wall. And in fact... We, Kate, they said that in the interview, right? Draymond said early on in the conversation, yeah, like I kind of felt like you were, you were already done, but then we had the opportunity to three-peat and you said, let's go for it. So they acknowledged right up front that it was in the middle of year two that he realized it was over. I think that's, it's, it's unfair to pin it entirely on that one argument.
2: Well, Katie said, I mean, Katie responds to that during the interview, right? And says, no, that's not true. Everybody thought during year three that I was no longer interested, but what I was was locked in was the phrase he used that uh, we had a chance at a three beat. And because of that, I showed up every single day. If I wasn't interested, I wouldn't have been there for 78 games. I wouldn't have been locked in for every possession. So, I mean, he tries to push it to the other side, but I, I still agree with you. Um And enough letting the tail wag the dog. Let's talk about the real quote. Um, So let's play the second thing and then address what MT has already brought up.
4: When we landed back from L.A., I sat in, Hazel was sitting in the car for an hour and 45 minutes. They pulled me in that room at Signature for an hour and 45 minutes, and they tried to tell me, you need to apologize. And I told them, I'll talk to Kay but y'all aren't going to tell me what I need to say. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they went on for an hour and 45 minutes saying a bunch of bullshit. And ultimately, they realized, all right, we're not getting through to him. We're going to try again in the morning. And so we met the next morning, and they said, all right, you slept on it. You ready to apologize? And I told them right then and there, I said, y'all about to fuck this up. I said, the only person that can make this right is me and Kay. And there's nothing that y'all can do, and y'all are going to fuck this up. And in my opinion, they fucked it up. I think so, too. And they told me right then and there, like, we're going to suspend you for this game. I laughed in their face, literally laughed in their face. And Bob said to me, he said, "Uh, wow, that was not the reaction I was looking for or expecting. And I said, well, either I'm going to laugh in your face or I'm going cuss you the fuck out. So you pick, I'm going to choose laugh. So I, I think what you're doing is funny, and so I'm going to laugh. And so it's interesting to hear you say essentially the same thing that I told them that day.
2: MT, pick up where you, were, where you left off, or at least where I cut you off, and let me give you a question. Does this, you heard this, um, I mean, you already told us, yes. Why does this change the way you view Golden State's front office?
3: Um, Just because I had a preconceived notion of them being the front office and and Bob Myers and Steve Kerr um, specifically, just being more dialed into the right way to handle team dynamics. And um, there's been no shortage of, both of those people in the front office praising Draymond for his IQ and for him being, you know, a smart player and knowing the dynamics um, of basketball uh, in and out and more so than a lot of players in the league. So for them to sit in a room and if it really was an hour and 45 minutes worth of discussion for them to come out of that discussion with Draymond Green and still decide, To take that course of action and still go down the route where he was saying like this is not the way to go this is going to mess it up um is this disappointing it's it's it it makes it feel like um they don't have their finger on the pulse as much as i was giving them credit for
2: well it has to change our perception right like when we talk back on steve kerr when we refer to the front office when we're talking about golden state culture what are we talking about, generally speaking? Well, it's not their their X's and O's ability. We joke about that constantly, right? The second that Kerr took over, he hired both an offensive and defensive coordinator. So he'd tell you that's not what he's excellent at. Um, it's not necessarily the draft. They've had a lot of swings and misses. It's not necessarily free agency with the exception of KD. They haven't had a whole lot of people that immediately changed the franchise. The one fucking thing we say over and over again about what this team is good at in the front office is dealing with personalities, that they're able to take the average and not so average NBA superstar and make everybody get along in a kumbaya locker room. And so let me say right up front, I don't know if I would have handled it any better. If, if someone had came to me, here's the issue, how do you get these two boys to, to make up? I don't know, maybe I would have done the exact same thing. So I don't have a solution that Golden State didn't come up with, but that's the problem. When we say that somebody is really good at something, when we point to Golden State's ability to deal with personalities, what we are saying is that they come up with shit when other people can't. And even though I can't, hearing this story that they were faced with, you know, perhaps the most talented player on the team, needing some kind of coddling, needing some kind of personality, uh, you know, managing that they weren't able to do it in a competent way, changes my perception. How could it not?
3: Yeah. And I think one other thing to add in there is the example that KD gives is, you know, the the infamous moment when Scottie Pippen doesn't go in the game. And afterwards they all go back to the locker room and say, Scotty, why the fuck didn't you go in the game? Steve Kerr is in that locker room. Yep. So the fact that he didn't reference that moment and how that actually worked and that, you know, the team coming together and calling them out. And he went the other way and said, you know, according to KD, he just said, basically Steve Kerr ignored it. Like it didn't happen. It's just like, how did you not learn from that situation that that was a good thing? Unless maybe Steve felt like at that moment, how it went down with Scotty was, not a good thing and he wanted to go somewhere different but it obviously didn't work
2: we also kind of know that steve kerr trying to use those bulls examples with kd didn't necessarily land right i know there's there's that example where kerr tried to tell kd the story of jordan and phil jackson and jackson saying michael who's open you know, and, and how Jordan got, uh, I'm sorry, how Phil Jackson got MJ to see how his, his other teammates were open. And, and that was the way that they got team ball out there. Supposedly, when KD heard that, he immediately ignored it. So maybe Kerr didn't think that those examples were landing. But that still doesn't excuse him from not coming up with something if that is his principal skill set. That's what we are always uh, pointing towards. Maxine, let me change the question a little bit. Does this quote change the way you view Draymond at all?
7: Yeah, a little bit. Um, and maybe not for the reasons that uh, you might expect up front. What uh, what I see is um, it sort of humanizes him in a way that uh, I wasn't totally expecting. I think you, know, you see him sort of, I think, change his tune a little bit from previous media appearances, previous conversations around this story. Um, where in the past he said, oh I realize I was wrong. Kiri's kind of doubling down on his original stance and saying no everybody else was wrong and I, I think it it's a reminder that humans evolve that humans change right that, that humans are allowed to have different feelings depending on the day. Um, it, it's not that I take him less seriously but but more that um, I, I don't pin the weight I, I don't I don't pin absolute value to everything that he says.
2: It's changed me. Um, I still love Draymond. I'm not one of those people who thinks that they should necessarily trade him out. But, you know, how have we always viewed Draymond or how have I always viewed Draymond? Draymond is a guy who plays with his emotions on his sleeve, always says, you know, what the hell it is that he needs to say. But is I've always thought, at least had a governor on that, was always doing what he could as long as what he was doing was good for the team. And what happened today, what what came out, you can say a lot of things about it, but it sure as fuck wasn't good for the team. And if this discussion puts a collective pebble in the shoe of this team as they go forward, if if now Bob Myers is feeling weird about this, if Steph Curry did anything but like what this quote was, Draymond's decision to come out with this two months beforehand and wake a sleeping dog, we've already dealt with this fucking issue, The idea to do this now makes me feel like there are times when he would put himself above the team. And before this, I never would have said that. I'll give you a shitty example that doesn't immediately match up but I've always respected Pat Bev's um, emotional style, right? I hate Patrick Beverly. He bothers me in a way that I cannot describe, but I can always respect what he has done for his, uh, for the teams that he plays for, right? And he always goes up to a certain line. He, he almost plays dirty, but he never crosses it until, right? These last playoffs where he finally fucking crossed it, pushed Chris Paul and the whole thing came to a crash. This isn't quite the push, But this is a step over that line. Draymond has always been down to share what the hell it is he feels like he needed to share, but it's never really come back and bit us in the ass. And I feel like this is kind of on the other side. MT, am I crazy?
3: I think so. I think you have to, you you can't have it both ways. If you want Draymond to be authentically Draymond at all times, if you want Draymond to in game three of Kevin Durant being on the Warriors, when they call a timeout, him yell at him, that's not the way we do things here. You know, like you have to take the good with the bad. You have to take the occasional nut kick to Steven Adams and you have to take him, you know, like calling it how it was if there's a situation that didn't go down the right way. I think his relationship with Bob Myers extends beyond the basketball court. I think he and Steve Kerr, have a strong enough relationship that they can get beyond cussing each other out in practice. So, you know, he's one of those players that embodies the new version of what a player is. And they're not just going to sit there and, you know, like be quiet about it. If he's going to be vocal and be a team leader. This shit just didn't just
2: happen. MT. Th- those yeah. other examples you just gave us were all in the moment. Something happens. He feels a certain way. He takes it off his shoulders and puts it out into the universe. That's not what the fuck this was. The thing he's talking about happened two years ago. This wasn't like some random ass question that a reporter gave to him. He sat down, crafted this interview, picked the time, picked someone to put it out and then decided it came out right now. I mean, that that's a different analysis. I don't think those two things are the same.
3: But yeah, that's fair. Um, But when did this interview happen? Did it have to happen post Olympics?
2: that's my assumption. I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to
3: that. Yeah. So that's my assumption too. So I think there also has to be factored in that they just came back from winning gold in Tokyo. The same reason why Kevin Durant even listened to the pitch from Draymond Green is because they bonded during the previous Olympics. So, you know, they go through that same experience again, probably even heightened because of COVID they, you know, reignite their, friendship and brotherhood to a, another level again. So of course, Draymond has a new show. He's gonna come out and, you know, like give the entertainment side okay. of it, so.
2: But there you go, that's the exact distinction. That's exactly where it hits me in the wrong spot. Because your other examples, and before we listen to this, when Draymond had an emotional outburst, I always thought it was aimed at bettering the team. You might've been right, might've been wrong, I'm not sure. But if you asked him, that's what I'm sure he thought he was doing. There is no way to view this where he thought he was helping the team. In fact, I agree with you. What you just described is he thought he was fucking helping himself. He had a brand new podcast. He had just developed an incredible relationship on a very high profile issue and then used that high profile issue to help his podcast, not help the team. That's a problem to me. You know, it's not not a problem that's unforgivable. Now, we'll move on in a week. We won't even be thinking about this shit anymore. But it, it certainly impacted the way I viewed him because this is him above team, not team above him.
3: But I would argue and you know, maybe this isn't true, but it, you could debate that putting it out there makes um, is for the team because it pushes Steve Kerr and Bob Myers to be better at what they were doing.
2: Okay. No, no, I could let me I disagree. Here's why. The main reason why fucking free agents were probably coming here in addition to Steph Curry being here, right, in addition to the talent, was that culture that we set up in the beginning. The idea that, look, you're going to go play for the the most player-friendly coach you could have, the best free agent or the best front office you could possibly have. Come here. You're going to have a great time. And what commercial did we just throw out there in advance of a veteran buyout season that we're going to need somebody? What we just heard is, no, you remember that culture you guys thought it was true? Bullshit. It's not real. Behind the scenes, they didn't even listen to me. I laughed in this dude's face because I didn't like the way that he was dealing with it. And it turns out I was right. If that message is received by other players, that shit doesn't help us. But that that is absolutely going to hurt this team going forward.
3: Yeah, I, I agree. But if you don't think they already knew that, any of the veterans that we would want, they already knew that. And if you don't think so, then I don't think you know, you're know you being honest about how, how much they talk as players amongst each other.
2: Yeah, that's fair. Maxine, what do you think?
7: Well, so first of all, I'm still just tripping on. Did, did we not catch how you said – MT, am I crazy? And then he just so casually oh, said, it. Yeah, no, I got yeah. it. It
2: really fucking bothered me. And then I would, that was what I was going to focus on. And then what he said got me so angry that I couldn't even go back. I have here on my notes crazy underlined and circled like six times. So, yes, definitely caught that. Okay. Fuck okay. you, Marcus. I'm
6: <laughs> so glad. Wow, we missed you on the podcast, MT. That's that's next, right? <laughs> <laughs> absolutely right. Not enough people called me crazy.
7: I want to just sort of reflect back to, um, the podcast that we recorded—I don't know if you guys remember—right after this um, fight happened and Draymond was suspended, I came on pretty despondent. And what I said at the time was, you know, I, I think this is this is the the nail in the coffin to. Draymond not ending his career as a Warrior. Now I thought that that was going to be, you know, the timeline was going to be a little bit more accelerated than what we thought, but I think we're starting to see it play out a little bit more. You know, it, it, the writing maybe was on the wall in chalk, and now it's getting outlined in pen a little bit. Um, I just I feel like we're we're moving towards a space where Draymond is not going to be a Warrior um, for the rest of his career, and you know that's it's also coming out in the way that he's sort of building his media empire um, to to create a post. Uh, dynastic run uh, version of Draymond Green.
2: Let me underline something. Um, so I, I, I stick by all the shit that I said, uh, but I will also say that Draymond Green is one of my favorite Warriors of all time. That's not a throwaway line for me. This team means more to me than it can possibly be justified. And so I don't I don't want to see him out of Golden State. I'm hopeful that he will spend his entire career here. I hope he has a role in the front office. But it did change a little something. You know, this is, this is one of those things that is now going to be a part of my relationship with, uh, with Draymond Green. Let me give you one last quote. But this one, gentlemen, is from a different podcast. This was recorded two years ago in October of 2019. It was after, obviously, the uh, clips interaction. It is on the Woj pod. And here is Draymond and Bob Myers Directed by Adrian Wojnarowski, talking about the exact same interaction. Let's get that quote.
4: Right, so president of the basketball, great titles. But for me, those titles really don't mean anything. Because it, he plays such a bigger role in my life and, and someone that I can get the truth from. And almost like a life coach or an older brother. Like, however you want to frame it, he plays that role in my life. And... So that's someone I always called no matter what. And it just felt like, wow, is this not the guy I've thought I'd known for all these years? Is he turning on me? And, and I started to tell myself all of these things. And then I turn on and I read it and everybody's like, oh, my God, the Warriors sided with Kevin Durant. Right, it's like, right. whoa. right." That was, I think, was the toughest thing for me.
2: Yeah, and that was, and that was exactly was going to be the perception. I got to believe, Bob, when you and Steve and all the people who make that decision, you knew that was the, what you are going to have to answer to. They, Kevin's a free agent. They have to side with... They have to suspend Draymond to save face with Kevin. I imagine you knew that would be the byproduct of that, of
6: that narrative. Yeah, but can I... I'm going to answer that. <laughs> where are you now with that? <laughs> I don't even know. Like, where did you...
4: Where do you sit on that now? I just had to accept the fact that I was wrong. And once I was able to get over my stubbornness and accept the fact that I was wrong, I was able to move on. But it's like one of those things in life that like you hold on to this one thing and they tell you you need therapy and you're like, oh, I'm fighting like I don't need no therapy. I can do it on my own. And like that one thing holds you back from whatever it is you're trying to reach i had to just have a like deep talk with myself and like you were wrong and what they did was actually the right thing do i think it could have been handled better i think there was other ways to handle it but nonetheless something had to happen and that's just kind of where i stand at with that today
2: Okay. Hearing that Marcus, you know, it's, it's been a little bit of time. He's talking about the exact same instance. Do you think Draymond has changed his response?
3: Yeah. I mean, it's, there's a different tone to it. um, But I think it underscores, like Draymond said, like he and his relationship with Bob goes beyond basketball, right? Like it, he, he basically said like he views him as like a life coach and somebody that he would call on. So in that moment when, you know that he was getting suspended, and he was like, "Oh man, like is Bob turning on me too?" Not Bob. I think that underscored, um, yeah, you now the way he started to waffle a little bit. So I, I think it's the short answer is yes. I think it was, and it's because he's he's in that environment with Woj and and Bob, and not on his own show with kevin durant who are just two players coming off of an olympic gold medal
2: yeah and if you had to trust one of the two stories which ones feels more genuine to you
3: uh the kd one
2: yeah unfortunately i agree um it just has a random observation of the woge pod one of the things that stuck out to me so draymond starts it out by talking about that relationship that you're talking about and he starts questioning he's not sure has my relationship changed and then he gives the answer and then Woj asks Myers a different question, but instead of answering the different question, Bob turns back to Draymond and says, did you think my relationship with you changed? And and what that shows me is how much he cared. You know, there's no question that Myers values that relationship with Draymond, at least as shown by that podcast. And I thought that that really shone through. Okay, Enough Draymond KD stuff. Um, I want to talk to KP, but before we do, let me get some generalized takes from you boys. Let's start here. So the Warriors roster is pretty much set. Draft is done. We know who they got in free agency. Uh, Games are going to start back up in October. um, And let me throw you a softball. MT, how do you feel about the Warriors offseason so far?
3: Uh, Feeling good. I mean, You know, you've seen the the highlights, especially from Kuminga. I think he probably had the second best highlight of the entire summer league. Uh, I don't know the dude's name, but whoever (laughs) caught the ball on the break and went through the legs for a dunk in the middle of a fast break in summer league is just, that's ballsy. You got to give that number one at all times. But um, Kuminga, you know, like caught the ball, went through the legs and then crossed him over Allen Iverson style and then took off from two feet like almost from the free throw line was just like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. So um, I was excited. Obviously his jumper still needs a lot of work. Um, but between that athleticism and his intensity on defense, you can see it's there. Uh, Moody has a great feel for the game. He was scoring in ways and obviously is, is a good shooter. So um, I was ex- excited. I was glad we didn't. Um, I was glad that OKC grabbed Josh Giddy and didn't grab Kaminga and um, you know, Duarte still was looking good for the Pacers. So, um, that would have been a nice pickup too, but I'm happy with where we landed.
2: Broaden it out, include Otto Porter Jr. and Nemanja. What do you think about just the overall off season? I mean, is, is this what you're open for? Grade it for us. Let's do it that way.
3: Um, I would give it a B. I mean, I think we, all Warriors fans had in their heart, a big splashy move and, Lakup kind of poured cold water on that and I still had my hopes up for it. Um, You know, like a Beal or Siakam or, um, you know, somebody of that nature. But, you know, overall it's solid when you look at who's coming back and bringing Iggy back. And if Clay's healthy, that is a a deep roster. And it's more it's more reminiscent of our first championship run and strength in numbers than it is of just having absurdly amount of talent. Um, in our starting five, and just hoping we can outplay you when crunch time comes in playoffs. So I think it was good, um, and I like the idea of if finding a way to keep that fifteenth um, roster spot open because I think somebody like a Kevin Love um, will get bought out at some point, and hopefully Draymond did his best um, recruiting pitch that he could. While while Kevin Love was still playing and that we can yeah. get What do you him.
2: think he, he sat down and said, You hundred percent want to play here? The GM is a piece of shit. The coach doesn't listen to me. <laughs> exactly. All that culture you heard about is a complete fucking lie. So definitely come over here. Uh as far as the off season. So there's been this kind of weird malaise from Warriors fans. Like people seemingly are like slightly disappointed or more than slightly disappointed. Like they're kind of pissy about it. And I think that's totally ridiculous. Um, So let's see. On one side, I can see kind of where they're coming from. Um, If after listening to Joe Lacob do the whole Light Years thing and then point out every time that he was given an opportunity that the Warriors are all about winning, that they will do anything they possibly can to give themselves the smallest fucking advantage and that they will do that constantly to hear that on one side and then watch an off season where they let the MLE go by, where they let Kelly Oubre walk without getting anything back where they just basically lost a uh, a piece, an asset. That's hard. Those two things don't match up. And as someone who heard them give me those promises, sure, I'm a little pissy. But the other side to that is, Warrior fans have become so remarkably, remarkably entitled. And not all of them, you know, just some of them, perhaps just the people who have been watching when they they started going towards the championships. But for them to be disappointed this year after they brought in Kuminga, after they brought in Moody, after they brought in Otto Porter Jr., after they brought in Nemanja, is like a teenage girl who at the age of 14 got a pony, at the age of 15 got two carat diamonds, and at the age of 16 expected a Tesla, but got an Audi. You know, and so like all of her expectations, this was incredible. And she always got everything she wanted. And then when it got one step less, you start screaming about how I was entitled to more and I didn't get it. And this perception of Warrior fans not being happy of, you know, this, it's not an embarrassment of riches, but it's a hell of a contending team that now is in front of us, screams entitlement to me. So I've been happy with the additions and kind of surprised by the lack of—I don't know—if not a standing O, applause from Warrior fans who they brought in. Uh, Maxine, you happy?
7: Yeah, no, I'm I'm extremely happy. Um, I I do sort of I get the I feel like the 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 metaphor is actually a little bit more like for your first you know your 16th birthday you get a Bugatti and then your 17th birthday you get like a Ferrari and then your 18th birthday you know you only get an Audi and it's like well yeah. You know, but those other two cars were, like, the fucking coolest thing ever, right? And so I, I do sort of understand. It's not like you get that ramp up. I, You know, I think there's a lot of fear that, that Clay is not going to be uh, back at 100% at sort of any point. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's hard to lose sight of the fact that Steph is in his prime right now and we want to do everything we can to maximize it. So in some ways, you know, being entitled would would say like, oh, we've already had our championships, like we can just rest on our laurels. You know, I think a lot of the intention behind the f- the furor with which we wanted some of these, you know, the Bradley Beals of the world um, is to make sure that we can get Steph and the Warriors another championship while he's still in his prime.
2: MC, how many meetings have we had off air where I make it really clear I don't want you guys to make my analogies better. I mean, with this one, didn't. I, I thought I kind of nailed mine. <laughs> I stuck the fucking end in. And then, you know, now I got to hear about his stupid actual cars that he that he amped up to. So, I don't know. I mean, like four or five meetings. How many times have we discussed that?
3: Enough. But, you know, it was a great analogy. So, I'm on board for it.
2: Which one? Mine? Because no. otherwise, I hate Maxine's. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I'm going to start doing this show by myself. You guys are terrible. <laughs> Uh, well, any final thoughts before we bring in KP and hear what she has to say about the off season?
6: Uh, Davion Mitchell looks pretty good defensively
2: <laughs> enough. So where you're upset, should they have taken him?
3: No, I don't think that great. Um, but you know, he looks like he will pan out to be a legit pro. So, um, you know, be interested to see what KP says if, if, We still nailed the draft, right?
2: (laughs) Last question. I wasn't going to throw this out there, but uh, the defensive prowess of Davion reminded me of it. Money doesn't work. Will never happen. No one is talking about it. But Patrick Beverly has found himself on some new teams. Uh, I think he's currently a member of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Would either of you have any interest in Mr. Beverly being a member of the Golden State Warriors?
3: Yeah,
6: of course. I would. Yeah. Go ahead, Maxine.
7: No, I mean, you know, it's like... I I almost feel like you were priming us earlier, Bram. You're like, look, I mean, you know, he's not always the worst, and I mean, he he fucking is the worst. Um, I don't know that there are many <laughs> players in the NBA that I hate more. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, in terms of who's available still on the market, I you know, dude could definitely add value on the squad. So you know, if we're interested in championships, great. I think it would be a little bit of a uh, you know, not not looking at yourself too closely in the mirror uh, to be able to cheer for for somebody like Pat Bev.
3: Yeah, my my reason why is a lot more petty. I just want him to go match up against Westbrook and Paul. Like whenever we play the Lakers and Suns, respectively, I just love the idea that both of those players don't get along with him. And um, I would just love to give him a solid 20 minutes and just like, just go foul out.
2: I would like to just show the world how completely for sale my love is. You know, like, I mean, you can take (laughs) almost any game that Pat Bev has ever played in at the uh, Coliseum or at chase. If I was there, you could hear me Princess bar- Bride booing the shit out of him. I mean, just bringing every boo I had. And if he was here, you would see me as a, as a warrior. you'd see me giving him probably a standing ovation for doing the exact same dirty shit that he was doing against us. With that in mind, two things. Let's bring in KP. And also, MT, we missed you, man. Great to have you back. Thanks. <laughs> I needed that. <laughs> It is my great pleasure to announce rejoining us after not too long, a 13-year veteran of Yahoo Sports, an NBA draft guru who not only watched this year's draft class grow up, but has been in Vegas this past week, chronicling their introduction to the NBA, and a paddle boarding dog owner who would never put an order of fries down at a sporting event, Miss Kristen
8: Peak, What's going on, KP? Hello. I love this intro so much. Yes. <laughs> uh, paddle boarding dog owner. Yes, that's me.
2: I was going to play around and I couldn't really come up with the exact way to phrase it, but A paddle boarder who frequently threw her dog in the water. And then I realized that's not cool. You know what I mean? Like, that's not a nice way to introduce somebody. So I went this way instead.
8: I like it. And Let the record show. I did not throw him in the water. He just doesn't have balance and was falling in.
2: Well, to be fair to me, there is no record of that because you didn't share those pictures. (laughs) So I guess we'll never know, Maxime. Hell of pressure on today. And I'm already kind of screwing it up. So I begged KP to come on. We we had set it up for later in the week. That isn't going to work. And I thought I was going to lose her. So I begged her to come on today. She came on with a caveat. She has got right now 28 minutes in counting before we lose her. And you know how I get off track, man, and, and kind of lose sight of where we should be going. So pressure today. We actually have like business to get done and a certain amount of time to get it done in.
7: Yeah, but you got this, man.
2: <laughs> hey, I appreciate that. Even if you didn't mean it, uh, KP, one segment today and the title I'm fired up for. It's called I Was Right. I was going to call it KP Was Right, but instead I'll go, I was right. It's about you. Here's the idea. Before the draft, everybody, maybe not everybody, but most Warrior fans, most pundits, desperately wanted Golden State to trade their picks in the draft, and they had nothing but concerns about the people who might come back. We all wanted them to add to the championship core. Now that Summer League is almost done, we got a couple more games left, suddenly that feeling has kind of changed. People like Kuminga, people like Moody, and the big exception to this is you. The last time we spoke to you, you detailed why the Warriors could and probably should draft both Kuminga and Moody. And since we are all on your same level, there's been all these reasons why we suddenly love these guys. So we're bringing you in today to announce to the world how you were right. And let's start with Kuminga. Um, Well, let's set up the obvious. Were you in Vegas Summer League? Was my introduction of you right?
8: Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying I told you so, but I told you so, and <laughs> not just you, but like the entire Warriors nation. I mean, I I've seen this. I I've seen this from like the time Kamingo was 15 years old. Do you know what I mean? And like uh, his ISO. Oh my gosh, some of his ISO plays in Summer League. Like you can't, <laughs> you can't even like. You, you have to be excited about that. Like, that's not even like, Oh, it's summer league. This is a fluke. No, no, no. This guy can play. He understands the game of basketball. He has a great feel and touch for the game. You can't coach that. And he's still very young and raw. So yes, you should be excited. You should be very encouraged about what you saw out of him and how he dominated and how he just clearly wanted to play and compete there. Like that is, those are huge signs going into this year
2: why can't I dismiss this as Summer League? So that's one of the things I was going to throw at you. You know, the, yeah. the people who still have some concerns are saying, look, Summer League's wide open. We watched G League last year, which was a little bit more structured. And while he could excel here as an athlete and the hell of a player, we can't necessarily take this success because he's going to have a much more structured time in the NBA. Why are they wrong?
8: Because every top player played at Summer League this year because there was no Summer League last year and nobody was ducking or sitting out. I mean, granted, there were players like Kay Cunningham, Jalen Green, even Moses Moody quit playing after three games, but they played three games and they were competitive games. So you're seeing guys go out there and compete and try to get a spot on these teams. And Kaminga is one of those, like, I think he felt slighted. And he was, he had a chip on his shoulder. He's like, no, I'm going to go out to summer league. I'm going to show warriors fans. I'm going to show the NBA. You guys are wrong about me. You should have me on the team. We shouldn't, me and Moses should not be packaged as a deal for another player. And we're gonna impact this team and try to win a championship.
2: You know what he reminds me of? It's like watching like a a 17 year old drive a Porsche. Like, it's a little bit out of control, you know? And like, there's certainly a lot of room for growth, but there's also no fucking question that it's a Porsche that we're watching. What are some things? So, you've already mentioned, you know, some of the one on one work we've seen. What sticks out to you? Let's focus on Vegas. What has he done? What skill sets have you seen that, if they, they didn't surprise you, at least impressed you?
8: I would say his ball handling got better. Also, his shooting mechanics looks a lot more fluid. He uh, isn't second-guessing himself. His shot selection still needs some work, but that's going to come with time and growth and also um, as he grows as a player and gets older. But uh, those two things are very encouraging. He looks stronger and more sure sure of himself. Uh, So there's nothing more you can ask from Kaminga as the number seven draft pick to the Warriors from what you saw at Summer League.
2: You know what I really liked? I mean, just random things. And I'm just going to piggyback from what you just said. I liked that he was getting calls. I liked not only that he could draw the foul, but that his name value was attracting refs. I mean, he, he was getting a lot of benefits of the whistle, which you don't always see. And I understand it's summer league, but it's worth pointing out. Um, I love that he's an athletic marvel. You prepped us for that. I just used the Porsche line. But in a league that is fit with probably the world's best athletes, I think this guy's athletic physique is still going to stick out. But I like his mentality, too. Like, it's super obvious the summer league coaches went to him and said, look, this is your fucking team. You know, go for it. We're going to go as far as you take us. Take as many shots as you like. You are going to be leading the offense even when we sit people out like Gary Payton II. And he doesn't seem intimidated by that. He doesn't seem concerned by it at all. Um, And I like that he seemingly played better with Steph and Draymond in attendance. You know, I'm the kind of player, KP, if it was me and, like, not only veterans, but world-class players, Hall of Famers are there to kind of see how I can ultimately play out. I can see my butt puckering up. I can see being really nervous and he did not have any of that, which uh, which is encouraging. Maxime, uh, you following along with this man? Are you as fired up about this guy as we are?
7: Yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah. And I mean, I think one of the things that people are you know kind of knocking for earlier is this assist to turnover ratio. And quite frankly, like I actually you know I get it; these things happen, right? But I see him keeping his head up as he's coming down the court. And then one thing that I really love is you know when he drives to the rim people are kind of crashing on him, right? There's this expectation that like he can actually finish around the rim and that uh, like the floor spacing, that's going to happen um sort of in the front court, right? With kind of Steph and clay um, spacing in the backcourt is a really exciting dimension for the squad. So I am all in.
2: Take away a couple of the rocks that are being thrown at him. KP. Let's start with this one. Lack of focus, right? So, Before the draft, one of the reasons we heard that he slipped out of that golden top five was the idea that he could be 100 percent there on one play and 15 percent there on the next. And that's certainly true on defense. At least that's what the pundits told us from what you are watching now in Vegas. Is he all the way in? Is he occasionally having lapses of concentration on D? What's what's going on on that side?
8: I wouldn't say he's all the way there, but that's to be expected. Again, that comes with age, experience, knowing Like I, I have to perform 82 games in a full season. I'm 18, 19 years old. Like, What does that mean for me? I'm getting paid all this money. I have all this expectations. I have the front office people telling me something. I have the coaching office telling me something. I have my teammates telling me something. So it's going to be a big adjustment for him, but I think he has – the right mentality going into it and the fact that he just you know loves to play the game like i was watching a game and they're interviewing kyle guy on the bench and kyle's got his earpiece in and they're asking about kaminga and kaminga could care less like he is plugged into the game he was and sitting yelling, next to him yeah right? sitting next yeah. to him yelling at his teammates like could care less like most guys would be like yo what up let me get my tv time and John, John ming is just like, yeah, whatever, Kyle.
2: I, like. abs- I loved that. I love that that <laughs> entire back and forth because at some point you almost expected Kyle to be like, look, Jonathan, like settle down, dude. I'm on TV. Yeah, you know? yeah. I not hear this question at all. Like, I, I love that you're screaming defense, but I'm giving an interview right
8: I now. I know Dude, it's Summerlee Calm down.
2: But yeah, <laughs> exactly right. Um, here's a question I was excited to see your answer for. Rewind us a year, but bring Jonathan Kuminga with us. So now Kuminga is in last year's draft, the draft where the Warriors picked up uh, Wiseman. Where does Jonathan Kuminga go last year?
8: Ooh, I still think 5-6-7.
2: It's still that late. Okay. Yeah. Um, how about this year? Now that the teams have watched him play in summer league, Four. So, and why? How does he get above Scotty and Scotty
8: Barnes? I think, you know, Toronto is probably looking at this, and Scotty's a great player, but you need somebody that has a little bit more like scoring finesse and body control at the rim for that next level. For that, I don't know, that all star caliber player. Like, I'm not calling JK an all star, but like, you know, someone that is a little bit that can one up Scotty Barnes because Scotty loves the game. He has a lot of heart. And I think that's what Toronto bought in for brought, bought into, but I think now watching JK, they're like, Oh, he can legit take guards at the top of the rim, cross them over. Oh, and then continue down the lane and dunk on the the four player that's at the center. Okay. We see you JK. Like we got your number. So
2: and then he can flash a smile to the camera, I, I screams know. superstar. You know, the screams like, oh, yeah, you just saw what I did. And that's exactly what I was expecting to happen, which I loved. Uh, finish it out next year. So, I mean, obviously, the Warriors hopefully aren't going to be anywhere close to the top of the draft. But had the pick not conveyed to them this year, they would have a pick next year. So just to, to have shits and giggles here, if Kuminga was in next year's draft, what pick would the Warriors have to have in order to land him?
8: Oh, 10. About oh, really? 10. Yeah, because wow. next year is sick. Next year's draft is ridiculous, too.
2: I really got to start running these questions by you before we do them on air. Because <laughs> I thought like last year you're going to be like, oh, he would have been number one. And I thought you're going to tell me the exact same thing for next year. It's all good. Maxime, cut all of this immediately. Here's the one I was most excited for, at least for Kumagian. So I, I don't think any Warrior fan who's watched him will tell you that they're excited for the pick. But a lot of them will still be a little hesitant because they're not sure how he contributes next year. I've got a couple of answers, a couple of things I want to see if you agree with. But before I even throw them into this mic, what do you see? I mean, because you told us this before uh, before the draft, now that you've seen him in Summer League. Does he have a role in your mind on next year's Warriors? And if so, what is it?
8: I do think so. And do you know what? He's definitely going to have to go through the Draymond Green School of Basketball. And I think, just like Wiseman did, but I think he's going to take it better. And I think he's going to learn more from it and take the criticism and take, you know, kind of like the tough love that Draymond's going to give him. And he's going to excel from it. And I can kind of see, like, we talked about this. Like, I can see, like, a Bash brothers, like, forming between him and Draymond on defense and then offensively, like you said, like, players are going to crash him because they they're watching summer league and they see his first step and they're like, Oh, we can't sag off him because he clearly his first main thought is I want to score. But once a second team comes or once a double team comes, then it's like, Oh, you got clay, you got Steph on exactly. the wing. Yep. You know? So I think he's going to be very vital on that. And they're going to use him in that sort of scenario.
2: So that's, that's essentially what I was thinking. And I'll make it even more specific. Let's start with the regular season. What I'm hoping is, it's going to take a while to get his feet underneath him. The Warriors have kind of a complicated system. We're not going to see any kind of major role for him. And it wouldn't surprise me if he spent some time in the G League. The guy needs minutes. That's where he'll get exposure. But as he kind of understands the system during the regular season, what I'd love to see if he's on the second unit, I think if he's matched up against the other team's second, third, maybe even fourth string uh, power forward or small forward, Kaminga's is still going to have the athletic advantage that we see right now. So during the regular season, I can see him. And uh, we used to throw that dog in the water. Kristen? Oh my I mean, gosh! Can are you, you paddle as, as no, we speak Gary, right now? Or? Is, hes
8: like like—he's—he's. He's, trying to get some attention he just wants to be on the podcast he's like i love jonathan kaminga too more than anything
2: i just i just wanted to use another water jug, so it really (laughs) landed for me also what what gary was saying is brand new uh, point is taking too fucking long so here let me make it shorter in the regular season i can see him helping with rebounds a little bit of physical defense hopefully he can hit threes from the corner although we haven't seen his gym shot totally uh develop but essentially (gasps) use his athleticism on the second unit to, to help slash and to defend and rebound reasonable expectation.
8: That is a very good expectation. Yes.
2: Okay. Here's the next one. And it's a little bit know, more involved. I'm not even sure how to phrase it. So I'll just tell it to you. What I want him to be during the postseason is Draymond's foot soldier. And here's what I mean. All right. So when they play, if they play the inevitable series against the Lakers, One of the biggest things is going to be guarding LeBron. I do not think that Kaminga is going to be ready for any kind of major role. But you know what I think he could do, Kristen? Six hard-as-fuck athletic fouls against LeBron. And at Draymond's direction, if, if at that point he's under Draymond's wing, they've kind of figured out how to succeed. If Draymond can use Jonathan Kuminga's physicality to help slow down LeBron in a, in a Lakers series, I can see him doing that. I'm not saying LeBron stopper. I'm saying somebody who can use that unusual combination of size, speed, and athleticism to give LeBron six, you know, more than he wants fouls per game. Am I crazy or is there an advantage there?
8: No, there's an advantage. And everyone's forgetting, LeBron's going to be 37. Exactly, exactly. And, like, that whole Lakers team is going to be – like, do you know my favorite tweet when that whole thing happened? By the way, I saw this all happening at Peach Jam. I know we spoke when I was at Peach Jam, and LeBron, Carmelo, and Russ were all there. Like, this all went down at a high school AAU tournament. That's that's how this happened, right? So – but – I saw a tweet that said, LeBron really said, if you never rented a video from Blockbuster, you can't play on the Lakers, <laughs> <laughs> which is very true. Like when you look at who they're assembling in the off season, but yeah, I think he can be, I, I think he can stop them. You look at what Patrick Williams did for Chicago this year. He stopped LeBron. He did a good job on him. Isaac Okuru, the second year player rookie last year from Cleveland Cavaliers top five pick he did a great job on lebron so i i don't think that there's you know it's lofty expectations to think that jonathan kaminga can't do the same thing
2: yeah at least slow him down slightly Uh, maxime are you anticipating there there seems to be two kind of camps the big giant camp is love kaminga send him to the g league you know let, let him get as much time as he can get down there other camp is and i'm i'm joining this led by Kristen. Is he Sure, give him some minutes in Santa Cruz. I mean, I want him to get time, but I also want him to spend as much time with the big club as possible, and I think he can help him. Where are you on
7: this? No, I agree, and when we're talking about his inconsistent um, motor, sort of his lapses, right, I think Draymond is the perfect person to be yelling at him on the court to kind of snap him back into it. So I think it's really exciting. I mean, you know, the the question that I've been seeing coming up that's on my mind too is where is he going to fit On the squad, right? Um, If you want him playing next to Draymond, does that mean that Draymond's playing small ball five or is he playing the five, right? So I think there are some uncomfortable questions. Like in theory, it's great. Yeah, let's have him play a bunch of minutes. But I think in practice, it might be a little bit more complicated.
2: KP, how's Kuminga with conflict? So I would imagine when Draymond is screaming motivational things to Kaminga, they won't be put in the nicest ways possible, yeah? If if that's what's up, if Draymond has a lot of, let's call tough love, does Jonathan have the personality to absorb that and be good with it?
8: Hell yeah, you're forgetting. This kid left the Republic of Congo when he was 15 years old, didn't even see his parents for five years, he saw him four days before the draft and came over here and tried to play basketball to make a better life for him and his family. Like when you have, when you go through something like that, and by the way, like the Congo is in a civil war right now, or, or, you know, like, and so he's trying, he's playing for more than just him. And he told me this on draft night. He's like, it's more than just the Congo. He's like, he wants to represent the entire nation, the entire continent of Africa. Hmm. So does he have it in him? If like you got some, if you have one person like Draymond Green yelling at him, yes, he will respond. Well, he'll take the criticism. And like I told you, like he has a very chill but very like uh, competitive attitude. Every time I talk to him, first thing I ask, "How you doing?" I'm just chilling, KP. But then when you start talking about basketball, he's all in. He, you know, he kind of threw Monty Bates under the bus for taking a game off and saying like, "No, you don't do that." And then you see it for your own eyes when, you know, it's a summer league game. They're up by I don't know how many. And, like, Kyle Guy is being mic'd up, and he doesn't care. He's that plugged into the game. So he will be fine. He will be fine.
2: Love the idea that a man who has a country on his shoulders doesn't give a shit if he has a Draymond on his ass. That makes (laughs) You know, it makes perfect sense to me. Um, I got some moody stuff for you, but a couple of nonsense things to knock out of the way. First one's Jalen Green. Um, So in one of the games that Jalen did not play in, there was this video. I don't know if it (laughs) will say it went viral or not, but yeah, he's sitting next to a teammate, crazy sweaty. Jalen looks at it, sees how sweaty his teammate is. So reaches behind him, grabs a towel and wipes the sweat off his teammate's arm, presumably because he doesn't want to get the sweat all over him. So if that's me, Christian, if I'm the teammate, right? And it's a guy that seemed like it was like a fringe guy. I don't remember who it was, but I'm assuming. I know
8: exactly who it was. Okay. Go on.
2: Okay. So it was, was that person, Is there are they guaranteed a spot in the NBA or are they fighting to-, to Yes. Fight? No,
8: that was Josh Christopher. Him and Jalen have known each other since they were in seventh grade. They actually uh, okay. played there on the same age. That explains together. a lot. That explains a lot yes. and that
2: changes the entire question. And so. Yes.
8: And yep. Josh Christopher was the number 23 draft pick. So, so yes, he has a, if, he has a spot.
2: If that was you, and this now adds some details to it um, and makes a little bit better, but if that was you, if you're sitting down, you're all locked into the game, the person sitting next to you is not in the game, and they're so disgusted by your sweat that they wipe it off for you, are you annoyed by that? Or are you like, oh, he was just trying to help me out, or you just don't even care? Because I think we all know that it would definitely annoy me and be the kind of thing that I probably couldn't get out of my head. I'd be distracted when I went back into the game.
8: I would prefer them wiping it off my shoulder than like switching with a teammate and having someone else (laughs) sit next to them. Can they, is there a
2: third option where they can just sit there and not do anything? I mean, like I feel like it was a little bit insulting.
8: No, it's not. I mean, look, Jalen, he, you know what he said after uh, one of the post games when I was down there and it was so funny because he had just played Kay Cunningham, who was the number one pick, obviously. And uh, Jalen and the Rockets, they won. Jalen pre- played really well. And he shows up to the post game and he's wearing a white t-shirt. And on the front of the t-shirt, just in the corner, it says NO period one. So number one, but like there is no, there was nothing, <laughs> there was no thought process behind it. So then when somebody asked him about it, they're like, is there something to be said that you're the number two pick and you're wearing a shirt that says number one? After beating him in the Summerlin in the head to head matchup. And he goes, I didn't even realize that. I haven't been home for a month. This was the first clean shirt I grabbed. And instantly he like tucks the shirt, like the corner of the shirt under his armpit and slouches over so nobody can see that it says number one. Like this is a kid, like he, he does, I mean, he, he probably doesn't have a lot of clean clothes. So if Josh is sitting next to him and is sweating on his shirt, he's like, man this is the only clean shirt i have i'm going out with my girl tonight don't sweat on me and wipes it
2: off you've completely destroyed the story i was writing right i mean because the story in my mind and i should have done some research and realized it was christopher the story in my mind was this guy who's just fighting to like fighting for his professional life you know he just desperately wants to like latch onto some team and after he's put his heart and soul onto the floor comes out and feels something on his arm and realizes because the star of the team is the so,
8: number two pick. Disgusted, so disgusted by
2: his sweat it's just oh i gotta i gotta get this off here all right i gotta run away from this question then since i screwed it up i'll uh I'll turn to our second one, and then, boy, are we run out of time. We're going to have to hit our moody stuff fast. But there is uh, a couple of gold medal winners attended the Summer League. Um, one of them played for the Warriors, Draymond. And when he showed up, he was wearing the gold medal that he had won in Tokyo. So the question is this, and I'll throw it to you, Maxime, first. If you are, you know, you've just gone to the Tokyo Olympics, you have won a gold medal. You now come back to the summer league and you're going to go to a game. You're not playing in it. You're going to go watch a team that you are one of the founding fathers of. Would you wear your gold medal to that game? 100%. (laughs) Would you feel weird about it? Would you like, would you make sure everybody like noticed it, like, you know, hold it out or play it kind of cool? Although I think it's impossible to play it cool while wearing a gold medal.
7: Uh, no, 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 no. You are playing it cool the whole time because you have a fucking gold medal around your neck. What are you talking about?
2: <laughs> I I would wear it. And then I would wear a white shirt that in the top left corner said gold medal. <laughs> and then pretend like I hadn't seen it. How about you, KP? What's your gold medal move?
8: I would a hundred percent wear. And you know what? I saw Bam out of bio. He wasn't wearing it, but like holding it casually on his side and like, See, that's how you on the gold. bench, you know? And like a part of me is like, was he afraid to leave it in the hotel? Like, <laughs> Is he, is he worried someone's going to take it? Like I, I I was worried for him, but no, I am a thousand percent bringing that everywhere I go. So people can see it. All the coaches on the bench were like, I, I feel like the team and the coaching staff cared more about that gold medal than they did about the game. Against uh, well, they 100% did, yeah, yeah against whoever
2: it was. Again, yeah. they cared they more playing, about They were playing the Denver Nuggets, so they definitely <laughs> cared more about
8: that gold medal.
2: They cared more about that gold medal than I did about Josh Christopher. It is what <laughs> it is. And if if I had a gold medal, I'd be doing so many stupid, obnoxious things with it in Vegas, you know, like I'd go like, to a restaurant, so you,
8: you, could like, you could like get in a club, like pass the line. 100%. Like, sir, okay, sir, I'd do you're that. not on the list, you're not on the list. I oh, don't
2: even consider that. St- I, I,
8: I have a gold medal.
2: No, no, I think that's just awesome. I mean, I would go to like restaurants, and when they gave me the bill, I'd fake pay with it with my gold medal. I'd be like, oh, oh, you guys don't accept this? Or like I'd sit down at a blackjack table and try to bet the gold medal and be like, ah, ha, 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 just so that everybody saw it. You know, that's the kind of asshole I am. But KP, <laughs> we've got four minutes and counting. So we're going to go rapid hit for Moses Moody. Let's start here. What do you like about his game so far?
8: Do you know what I like? I like how patient he looks on offense i like that he you know isn't forcing anything i feel like the game was coming to him and he seemed you know when i talked to him on draft night um the thing that you have to know about moses and i don't know if we talked about this but he was snubbed as a mcdonald's all-american he felt like he had something to prove he's always always been second fiddle his entire career and he's comfortable in that role like anything i need to do to help win and that was his message he's like you know what? I hear the Warriors are in a win now mode. Well, I'm in a win now mode too. That's all I've done in my entire career. I won at the high school level. I won at AAU and I won at the college level. So he, I think is going to be a surprising asset to the Warriors. I don't know if he's going to be like an instant impact, instant shooter this year, but he's definitely going to be someone that I think Warriors fans are going to be glad that they picked up.
2: If we dovetail his compliments with Kaminga's, earlier I was saying it really seems like the Summer League coaching staff went to Kaminga was like, this is you. You Take as many shots as you want. Let's see what happens with your game. And to stretch that compliment over to Moody, and it fits exactly with what you were saying and is a really good indication of how he can help Golden State next year, Moody was fine with that. You know, he, he had no problem. He fit in wherever it is that they needed him, even within summer league. And even while doing that, he's been really impressive, which is the kind of skill that's exactly what we're going to need this year. You know, just fill in the cracks everywhere where our big three don't. Um, let's go back to that draft question, but I'm going to make it a real tight. If they redrafted this year's draft class, do you still think Moody lasts till 14? Yeah, I do. Uh, Every time I ask you this question, it's not going the way I want. God damn it, Christian. Fair enough. Um, We just detailed probably how, but let me ask it straight out. Do you think Moody will help Golden State next year?
8: I think he can. I mean, he's not going to be like a primary piece. You know, he's not going to. I think he's going to come in and give decent minutes when they're allowed. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Um, of course. I don't, I don't think he's going to be one of those that, you know, you just, you forget about, like, I think he's going to make an impact, but it's not going to be uh game time games on the line. Sure. You know, Steph is driving and kicks out to him. Like, I don't, I don't know if he'll be in those sort of moments. Uh, it would be great if he was, cause I think he'd be fine with it, but. Um, cause he has the maturity and the mentality, like he has played on. I don't think you guys know this, like the high school team he played on. With Kay Cunningham, Scotty Barnes, Daron Sharp, uh, Langston Lup, guys that you don't know yet, uh, Derek Whitehead, like the greatest high school team of all time. So when I tell you he knows how to win games, he knows how to win games and he knows his part. So that I think is the biggest asset to Moses.
2: I love that. And then the full sentence would be, he knows how to win games in big situations with people who might even be bigger deals than him, right? And so that's, that's, and that's exactly what we need. Last question. You've got about 45 seconds to answer it. <laughs> Will Moody and Kaminga be in Golden State jerseys to end this year? Yes. Yes. Boom. Didn't even need the 45. Kristen, we did it. We got all the way through this. Get out of here so that I can keep my promise to you. Um, But before you do tell us where we can find more Christian peak in our life because everybody needs it.
8: Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at Kristen peak, or you can read my stuff on Yahoo sports. I just posted uh, the 10 best rookie performances of summer league and Moses and JK are on there. So
2: I just I just read it and almost read large pieces of it to you, but we didn't have the time for that. <laughs> so anyone who needs that, get out there, check it out. You don't need an update from us. Instead, enjoy Kristen. She is very good. In fact, the best at what she does. KP, thank you. We'll talk to you
8: soon. Thanks guys. Anytime.
3: Good, good.